0: good and your mercy endures forever. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this day and your many blessings. We thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be here in this church, in the house of the living God, as we truly are temples of the Holy Spirit. Father, I I know we pray. I pray this way regularly. We pray this way in our pre-service prayer this morning. But Father, it's a true fact that only you know the state of every life and the state of every heart in this place today. You know the word that they need from your word. You know the anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit that must accompany the word, that through the word and the Spirit today, as they receive it, it'll change their life forever. You know those things. I don't apart from you, but I'm not apart from you. As the pastor of this local assembly, our heart's desire and goal is for people to come to see Jesus and to know him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Father, this morning, I'm going to step out and obey you. We're going to do something different this morning at your instruction and minister to two groups of people at your instruction from your word and then ministering to them by your spirit if they'll allow. You know the state of their heart and life, and I thank you now as I yield to you, I'll be led and guided to deliver not just a message, but a message fresh off the press from heaven from you, backed up by the Word of God, delivered to the hearts and minds of these people. And again, we depend upon the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. Holy Spirit just guide us, lead us, and direct us as to what to say, when to say, and how to say. And through the Word and the Spirit as we obey you today, I believe just as I have. The people in this place have come expecting to receive something from you. And as they open their hearts and minds and receive this Word by the Spirit of God, take it and apply it, their lives will be changed, challenged, and order forever, never to be the same again. But above all else, everything that's said and done will give you the glory, honor, and praise you so deserve. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated in my understanding because of construction is the children will be in here. Not the babies, but the children will be in here with us this morning. God is with us. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. I have continually been preparing, and as you know, ministering at the Lord's instruction because of the times and seasons to prepare us. We're not money-minded, we're God-minded. But God's plan for your prosperity is what we've been ministering on, and He's told us in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Your soul prospers as your mind, your way of thinking has got to be changed, and your mind with the Word so you can prosper as God wants you to. And that's what we've been ministering. But it's not what we're going to minister this morning. We'll endeavor to jump back on it next week. But the Lord, it's just the way that I pray and seek God. This isn't about me, it's not about uh, building a church in, in the sense of building a building. It's about doing what God wants us to do. You know, people are hurting, people are lost, people are broken, and there's only one true healer his name is Jesus. But I want to to make a statement because it's what the Lord's impressed upon my spirit. And I'm going to talk to you from the Word a little bit. Because I know I'm in the right place because I I, I can hear God. You can too if you listen to Him. There's no such thing as a hopeless person. Number one. Number two, there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. If you'll trust God. Now, Now you can sit here when I say that and start thinking about all kinds of people and situations and different ones that failed. No, I'm talking to you. Your situation. You can't control other people. I'm talking about you trusting God. There's no such thing as a person that is hopeless. And there's no such thing as a situation that is hopeless. You say, you don't know what it looks like today. The Lord told me to tell you, and I'm going to back it up in the Word, God can turn it around yeah, amen. if you trust Him. I, I said God can turn it around. He can turn your life around. He can take your feet and set it on solid ground. Where you might feel like your whole life, your whole heart, your whole everything has crumbled. God's going to minister to you today. And if you'll listen, you'll not leave here like you came, Because this is a time with God. And it'll, His presence will change your life. Why not you look at Romans chapter 8. You can go down. Just got a few, I say, scriptures, passages on my heart. To back up what I'm saying by the Spirit of God. No more planned this than I planned to go to the moon this morning. I studied for the other message all the way till, matter of fact, I was running late till ten twenty-five. Usually get Billy to come back there, get mic'd up before that. But this, one of the scriptures has been on my heart for the whole week. But I just thought I was going to mention it. I didn't know I was going to minister on it. But but the Lord said, "There's no such thing as a hopeless person, and there's no such thing as hopeless situations." And again, there's there's the condition of trust in God, and we want to look at this. He said Romans eight twenty-eight. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to His purpose, whom He did foreknow, whom also He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He... Pre, whom he Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called whom he called, then he also justified, declared not guilty in Christ Jesus. If your faith is in him this morning and you're a Christian, you have been justified, declared not guilty, and made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? We'll just, just, this won't be a, a great in-depth teaching because it's not the way the Lord instructed. But a reality of it is, is many people feel worthless, not valuable unworthy in all sorts of things for the simple reason is their focus is wrong. In and of myself, I am nothing. In and of myself, I can do nothing. But I'm not alone and neither are you. All things are possible to him that believeth. You're not alone and neither am I. God out of His love already gave us the answer. To everything that will ail you in this life. For God so loved the world. That he gave who? His only begotten son. So that whoever believed in him would not perish. But have everlasting life. There's hope in Jesus. There's a bright future in Jesus. You say you don't know my situation. I don't. But I know the solution to your problem. And I'm going to show you. To help you. It says. Whom he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified what shall we then say to these things if god be for us who can be against us we get caught up in the times and seasons things are so bad you say pastor what do you say things are so bad true but god is so good If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, it really doesn't matter, because no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper. It's part of the heritage of the servants, the children of God. It doesn't matter what, if the devil pulls out all the stops, you'll not be defeated. Because although the enemy has a measure of power, my Bible says, we have been given authority in Jesus Christ over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall, by any means, hurt you. Yes, Satan has a plan who still kill and destroy each and every day in your life, and maybe because you didn't understand some things we're talking about, he gained some ground, but we're going to back him up today. Amen. We're going to put him in his place today, which is under your feet. Amen. So, well, who am I? No, under your feet. You might be the feet, you might be the legs, you might be the arms. I don't know which part of the body you are, but if you're a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, but the head is Jesus. Amen. Right? 32, he that spared not his own son, talking about God, delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. See, you may be here this morning and in a bad situation, and you say to yourself, or you think you say to yourself, it's really the devil to get in there and help you, to stay defeated, that you are where you are because you made bad decisions, and you deserve to be where you are. I want you to understand something. It doesn't matter who you look at in here today, including me, if we all got what we deserved, it'd be death, hell, and the grave. Whether you're the youngest or the oldest, male or female, best dressed, worst dressed, whatever you are, if we got what we deserve, so don't side him with the devil and let him defeat you because I deserve this, that, or the other. Even if you missed it, you ask God to forgive you and get your eyes back on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith. The work he's begun in your life, he can bring to fruition and completion. You, you need to really get it somewhere if you're not in one, you need to be in a word church and and you need to realize that you read behind these great men and women of God they were some of the biggest messes that's ever been you couldn't have been much worse than Paul who wrote near two thirds of the New Testament you couldn't have been much worse than him he wasn't just not a Christian he was for killing Christians but God said about Paul, Saul at that time in Acts chapter 9, he told Ananias, he's a chosen vessel for me. Did you know you're a chosen one? Yes, I you might not have accepted the call yet, but you're already chosen of God in Christ Jesus. God's trying to raise some of you up, all of us up in a measure, but the devil's pushed some of you down. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10.38 says, Anointed Jesus and others. He went about doing what? Doing good. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. What Jesus did and is still doing through the church. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed means to treat harshly. It means to bring down. Satan wants to bring you down. But Jesus wants to bring you up. And has made a way. In and through himself. It says, 34... Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's pulling for us today. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? Who shall shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer would be nobody or nothing. It is a fact in line with the word of God today that God loves you. That's a fact. It is an established fact that we need to uh, get some form of basis and foundation of understanding in our life that the reality of it is, is even if I fail God, even if I'm faithless, it's not His will. And I can cause myself some problems, true, but God never changes. Some people's God changes all the time with circumstances and situations, but our God never changes. Our Jesus never changes. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You say, well, I messed up. Well, God hasn't, and he'll still take you back. Amen. Right? Yes. Open arms, just like the prodigal son's father. Says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Amen. Through him that loved us. And I don't have time to teach on this right now because I've got to go to something else. But he said, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter." And one little teeny principle I want you to see today is in line with the word. What does Galatians 2.20 say? I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but now Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So dead but alive. So how can you be dead but alive? I'm no longer living my life. You know, you hear stuff out in the world, my best life now, that's not the best life. The best life is when you say, God, I've, I've, I've tried to do this thing. I've tried to make this right and fix this and do this, that, and the other. I tell people all the time, I was raised, just keep at it. Just keep at it. Keep at it. Stay faithful. Just, you know, what do they say about on the porch and it gets hot in the kitchen? What, what, what's the old saying they say? I think I put two of them together. <laughs> I just said, if y'all was paying attention, yeah, get out the kid, whatever it is. That's the wrong one. So obviously I'm not perfect. I had ride you. Yeah. But just try harder and just keep at it. Well, if you're doing it the wrong way or got the wrong plan, you don't need to try harder. I tell people all the time, the greatest thing that you'll learn to do in your walk with God is to give up. It's to surrender realizing that it's not me, but Christ that liveth in me. I can try to do some things in and of my own strength, even accomplishing the will of God and plan of God, have good intentions, try to make things right that I know need to be made right, fix the wrongs that are wrong, all these things. I can keep trying to do it and only make a mess. We've all done that. But when I talk about, and we talk about, and Jesus talks about surrendering, we're not giving up and quitting. We are surrendering our own ability, our own strength, our own will, just like Jesus did in the garden. Jesus accomplished the perfect will of God for you and me, for the whole world. He said in the garden, not my will. I read a commentary and this really made a mark with me one time. He said he was in the garden sweating drops of blood because the next step in his life was to die for you and me on the cross. That was his next step. And believe it or not, even though Jesus was Jesus and still is Jesus, if you go to Philippians 2 and start in verse 1 there, we'll see that that he stripped himself of his divinity and he walked this earth as a man like you and me, anointed of the Holy Ghost, so he would have felt the same things that you would have felt. If you was going to be crucified this evening on a cross, Jesus would have felt like you and vice versa and he was sitting there sweating drops of blood, and maybe, like you would feel today, have other people that really don't get it, what you're dealing with or facing. Think about Jesus. He'd already told the disciples several times, and what were they doing? He's entered into his most serious time, his serious hour in his life. Earthly walk. And what's the disciples doing? He told them to watch him pray, and they went to sleep. You say, well, other people around me, my family and friends and stuff, they just don't get it. They might not, but Jesus does. Amen. Amen? But what I was saying about what I had studied before, they said Jesus died on the cross, and it's true. 100% true, of course it is. But they made this statement, which I agree with, before He ever died on the cross, He died in the garden. In the sense of, He totally emptied Himself of self, surrendered Himself to God. Surrendered himself to to God. Is is the plan of redemption great? Is it awesome? Nobody in creation could come up with the plan of redemption but God. Nobody could make a way for you and I to be saved and be children of God but God. Nobody. So, this thing that was accomplished, Jesus in the garden, he surrendered all. Not my will, not what I want, not what I desire. He surrendered all, and he we could say in a sense, not physically, obviously, but that He died maybe to self in the garden and surrendered completely to the will, plan, and purpose of God. You say, I've been trying and trying and trying and to fix this and to make this right. Today is the day is for you to surrender and let God be God in your life. Let Him do what you can't do. You know, the Bible says the battle... It's not ours, but the Lord's. You say, well, then what do I do? Just what He tells you. If He doesn't tell you to do anything specifically, you just trust Him. Because He can do what you can't do. He can make right in one day what you couldn't make right in ten years. If you'll trust Him. And again, we know from personal experience. But the Word is true. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. 38, I'm persuaded that neither life excuse me, neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go to Matthew 14. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing. You believe the Bible. You believe the Word's true. Now I'm going right back to the same passage I read a while ago, but I want to say something different. Matthew 14. 13. Jesus was, was at a hard place in his life. John the Baptist, who was the front runner or forerunner of Jesus' ministry. You remember Elizabeth was pregnant with, with John at the same time that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And John has just been beheaded, killed. And this is how Jesus responded. And there are people today, you're in a hard place in life. And I don't know it because you told me. I know it because I spend my days every single day praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, what would you have me to say? I'm doing right now what I'm instructing you to do. So I know how it works. I come out here to minister and I don't want this to be another church service. Another day that you come to church, whether you're a visitor, whether you come here every week or every service. I know that if I come out here and just preach a cute little message, it might be a hit or miss, but if I pray and see God and I say, God, I know. That I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know what they're facing. I don't know where they come from. I don't know their background. I don't know what kind of abuses they've been through. I don't know who may be in my church service this morning that has been molested. I don't know all these things. But you know the brokenhearted. You know the word they need. You know the presence that needs to be there. To minister to and heal your people that you love. I surrender to you my heart and my mouth. And as I stand and speak you said in your word that you would give me the words to speak. So as I stand and speak and open my mouth, out of my heart that's yielded to God comes His words to minister to you right where you are, but surrenders first. Realizing I can't comes before me being able to do anything. All things are possible not to him that tries the hardest, not to him that tries to fix everything and make it right. All things are possible, the Bible says to who? Him that believeth there's no hopeless person. And there's no hopeless situation. Matthew 14, when Jesus heard of it, about John the Baptist's murder, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He healed them, why? Because he loved them. And he was moved with compassion. Do you know that Jesus still loves people today? He still loves you. Listen, don't let this world harden you, Christians. Don't let it harden you what's going on outside. you got to stay in the presence of God. There's still a harvest to be got. And we have been talking about God's plan for your prosperity. He wants you rich and blessed and all of those things, but we're never going to forget people. First thing we're to do, what's the first and greatest commandment? Is to love God. And secondly, he said, is to love your neighbor as yourself. We as Christians have received of God's love, and we're to be vessels of His love. The Bible says, whereas we're ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5. We're ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? I'm his representative, and so are you. People say today, just do you. I say, just do Jesus. Be who he's called you to be, and you'll make a difference. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Sending the multitude away. Send the multitude away. That they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Jesus will never send you away. Even if some of his disciples, like here, would send you away, for whatever reason, Jesus would not send you away. Even Judas who betrayed him, Jesus didn't send him away, just let him go. He said, what you going to do? Go do it quickly. You can go your way if you want to, but Jesus has not and will not send you away. And there's some body or bodies here this morning that you feel absolutely worthless. But there was enough worth in you, God saw it, that if you was the only one in the earth, He would have still send His only Son to die so that you could live and be one of His children. You are not worthless. You are not hopeless. That's not true. But the disciples said, send them away. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give. Oh, aren't you glad that God and the Lord Jesus Christ are givers? Give them to eat. Give you them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. Thousands of people. A need. We need to feed them. And we have five loaves and two fishes. I don't care how big the loaves were. And and if it was a 50 pound catfish from the big PD. Two of them. It wasn't enough for 20,000 people. You may be facing something today That looks like a joke as far as it being a possibility. Of a need being met. A possibility of you ever being used of God to do anything. It may look hopeless. But Jesus wouldn't send you away. He didn't send them away. He said, they need not depart, give them freely. And they said, this is all we have. Which again would be insufficient. Which again would be not enough. Which again would be less than. But what did Jesus say? You know, in my life, and, and I was raised in a godly home, I don't mean this the wrong way, but, but, but I was raised competitively. And, and a lot of people promote competition, but there's no place for it in the body of Christ. You can't compete in the body of Christ because everybody's gifted differently. You, you can't compare apples and oranges, that's ignorance, it's foolishness. When you devalue somebody else's gift, you actually hurt yourself. It's like in your marriage when you are, are, are opposing or, or bringing your wife down or your husband down. Well, the two become one, so you don't win. There, there's, no, there's nobody that wins there. You actually cause yourself problems by doing that, right? So we don't devalue each other. But I was raised in a, in a competitive environment, always raised to be the best and all this kind of stuff. And I know God's created us to be more than conquerors and all kinds of stuff. But, but whether it come from, I'm not blaming anybody for anything, but, but you, even as a minister... You always hear about this minister, that minister, the other minister, and everybody's got their favorite ministers. And and if you're not careful, this is even in church, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a a mindset of comparing yourself to different ones. My dad was my pastor for years who's in heaven now, but he was a great and mighty man of God. And in most people's eyes... You know, I don't care because there's no competition. But in most people's eyes, I, I, I always paled in comparison. You know, you'll never be the man of God your dad was and all this kind of stuff. And I am like, that's, I have no issue with that because I'm not in competition with him. But you'll, if you're not careful, you'll allow things to get in your heart and mind that's not of God. And I allowed things to really affect me over time. I got this probably two or three years ago. And the Lord spoke to me one morning in my prayer closet at the house. I was praying and seeking God. And he said, I want to show you something today. And I want to talk to you about something personally. And he asked me this question. He said, what do I require of you? That's what he said. He said, what do I require of you? Because I study behind great and mighty men and women of God as well. Which is right. There's nothing wrong with that. He said, what do I require of you? And he told me to go to the scripture right here. Matthew 14. What does God require of you? What does He want from you? He said this to me, and at that moment I got a great revelation. He said, all I require from you is what you have. He said, you can't give me what your daddy had. You can't give me what this minister, that minister, the other minister, you can't give me what the one down the street's got. This morning, I'm sure there's other ministers right here in this area, ministering under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but they can't give what I have to God, and I can't give what they have to God, and neither does He require it. And I received a sense of deliverance that morning, and I hope that you see what I'm saying, or the Spirit of God saying today. They said, all we have here is but five loaves and two fishes. You know, God didn't back up, or Jesus didn't back up and say, my God, you're in trouble, man. What are we going to do? There's no hope. What did he say? Five loaves and two fishes to feed 20 some odd thousand people at the least. All Jesus said was, bring it to me. He said, bring it to me. What did he say? Bring to him. Bring me what you got. He's not moved by what you have. He's not moved by if you're further along than somebody or less than somebody else, even in this earth. So he let the world get into the church upper, middle, lower class, all this kind of stuff. There's not classes in the body of Christ. There's a family of God and the family of the devil. There's only two families in the earth. You'll know the truth about it. But he said, bring it to me. He said, what's this got to do with hopeless people in hopeless situations? There's no such thing. Because so you can be sitting here this morning and looking at your situation and circumstances and saying, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what I'm facing. Do you think you could feed? 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes? You think anybody there other than Jesus said, yeah, this thing's going to work out. And you know how the disciples were. They would probably over to the side laughing, making sure Jesus didn't see it. If they could help it. <laughs> Hi, God, what's he thinking? You know, maybe people laugh at you. They might have laughed, they might have laughed at Jonathan until he come by and build his greenhouse. And pictures up there this morning might not mean a lot to a lot of people. That started out as nothing but a little seed, a little dream. God played us an art. Amen. Hmm? Amen. It'll work for him, it'll work for you. He ought to talk to Jonathan sometimes. Yes. He hadn't quite arrived yet, but he's a whole bunch further than where he used to be. Amen. Thank you. And the credit goes to the Lord. Yes. Yes. Surrender. Amen. You get his testimony. He's given here before, and he'll give it again. But he looked for the answer in a lot of places and things. But he's found the answer now. And he knows what his name is. Jesus, right? He said, bring them hither to me. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looked up to heaven. He blessed it and he broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples of the multitude. So he took what was, what? was not enough. He took what they had. Bring it to me. What do you have today? Bring it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Surrender to Him. You say, I don't know how to do that. You say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I have done all that I could do. And the truth of the matter is, not only does it not work, it's only got worse. So I'm not trying anymore. I'm moving out of trying, and I'm moving into trusting. And then how little or insufficient what you have is even in reality, when given to God, it says he blessed it and he break it. And the Bible says in verse 20, which is a miracle within itself, they did all eat. They did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remaineth, remained 12 baskets full. That's how much you had left over. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. But what did they have to do with this situation? What did the disciples have to do that this was impossible? There was no way this could be done. All they had to do, give Jesus what they had. John 11. Because this is definitely for somebody today. This is the passage that I had in my heart since, I think, Wednesday. You say, my situation is hopeless. It's already been uh, Stamped, denied, and, and it has not worked out. God said to tell you this morning that is wrong and that is incorrect. It can be changed. I said it can be changed. It can be said there is no way, but Jesus said there is a way. You can trust Him. Even laws can be changed if necessary. We'd go back and Daniel and see that. We got... John eleven, verse one a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, him whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now if he's going to stay dead, that wouldn't have glorified God not from sickness anyways, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved all of them. He loves all of us. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So he heard Lazarus was sick. Did he get up and run? i got to got wrote this in my Bible to help. I'm only saying this. i got Miss Laura Lee trained. Everything I say, she just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Y'all know I joke too, right? Yeah. Faith doesn't panic. You'd be tempted to panic sometimes. Jesus stayed two more days. Jesus operated in the gifts of the Bible, says John 3, 34. He had the Spirit without measure. He operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Not, not tongues and interpretation, because it wasn't the dispensation of the Holy Spirit already, or yet. But at the same time, he knew, but he still, he still waited two days. Right? We're working to a point. This is the last passage I'm going to read you this morning. <laughs> he said, After that, saith to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. And we wouldn't say thou and thither and all this kind of stuff. But they're saying, are you crazy? They already want to kill us. Right? Jesus answered and said, are there not twelve hours in the day if any man walk in the day? He stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. If a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. They didn't get what he was saying, right? Howbeit, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of, of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, he just had to let them know, Lazarus is dead. Right? If Lazarus is dead and God willed that he was healed, or raised up, or both, then there would be no purpose in this story going any further. Give up, make the funeral arrangements, comfort the family, it's over. You know many of us give up too soon. We give up because it looks like it's time to give up. We give up because it looks like it's over. We give up because it looks like there's no hope, but the Bible says faith in God gives substance to things hoped for. He said in 15, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may what? Believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. They're going to kill us on the way. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Lazarus is dead, and he's been dead four days. Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. In today's time, we would say the death has taken place, and we got family and friends going on. Some of you may have some situations in your life where you feel like it's family and friends time because you might have believed, but it's over. It didn't work out. You hear Christians say sometimes, Well, I thought I believed God. When'd you quit? Say, But they said, What did God say? I said it can be changed. More importantly, God said it can be changed. If we'll believe Him. Then Martha, as soon we're in 20, as she heard that Jesus was coming, Went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Now this sounds like many today. This is to help you and encourage you not to hurt you, but I'm encouraging you not to give up for those that feel like you're in hopeless situations and circumstances. Trust God. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. My brother had not died. It would be like today. We say, I believe God can. But for whatever reason, he didn't believe God could. There's a reason for everything, is what people say, right? But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, will he give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And he's dead. Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. This is where we got the name of this church, the Lord said. This was our text scripture. Jesus said unto her, so if you're messed up and in a hopeless situation, you're in the right church. He said, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Some of you, as you turn your faith and expectancy back on today, you're going to see these hopeless situations turned around. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this, he said? She said, yeah, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which is come into the world. go on down to verse 32 then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him she fell under his feet saying Lord again if you had been here my brother had not died when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her he groaned in the spirit and was troubled Jesus said where have you laid him they said unto him Lord come and see Jesus wept short of scripture in the Bible 36, Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. He said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Did she love Jesus? Yeah. Did she love Lazarus? Yeah. Would we say from the Bible account she's in faith at this point? No. Why? Because she's looking at what is. She's looking at circumstances. She's looking at situations. She's looking at maybe even facts that are presently in existence. She said this to him. By this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Some of you may have some things today that you were believing God for that you've kind of surrendered because it didn't look like it come to pass and now it's stinking, so to speak. And I know I've shared this in the church before, but it really made a mark on me. How long was he dead? Four days. You know... It's necessary for you to come to the end of yourself, your ability, your wisdom, even your dependency on other people before you can truly trust God. This individual here, or she said, he's been dead four days, he stinketh. Back in those times and the customs, if you study this out, they believed the first three days when they let him lie in state or whatever you'd call it, they believed that the Spirit's would roam the earth. And possibly, of course it never happened, but possibly during those first three days, there was a hope that the Spirit could be reunited with the body, would find the body again, and they would be resurrected and live. On the fourth day, all hope was gone from anybody. Because the three days, not only has he died, is he, not only is he stinking, but also it's now the fourth day. There's even no hope with their superstition, whatever you want to call it. There's even no hope there. And now we have Jesus again. You say, my situation is hopeless. Was Lazarus' hopeless? Was Mary Martha's hopeless here? And what's Jesus saying? Kind of like the five loaves and two fishes and 20,000 people to feed. He said, bring it to me. What's he saying here about Lazarus? She said, my God, Jesus, we love you. But he's been dead four days and now he's even stinking. Right? No hope. No way. What did Jesus say? Take away the stone. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto you, unto thee, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was raised, was laid, excuse me. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. He spoke the answer. Don't call it like it is. Say what you want to see, right? You'll have what you say. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, speak the word only. Lazarus come forth, and he that was dead came forth. What's your dead situation today? What's your hopeless situation today? He that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, loose him and let him go. And what happened? He was raised from the dead. But Jesus said in verse 40 of John 11. He said, said I not unto thee that if thou would believe, you'd see the glory of God. He said, if you'll only believe, you'll see the glory of God. Hopeless. No way this situation, these circumstances dictate that it's over. And Jesus said, where have you laid Him? Maybe today you're here. Yo, somebody come play for me. You're here. And, and whether it be, He said two things when I stand on the front row. He said there were people that felt hopeless. Not worthy. No way. He wanted you to know today there is a way, there is a hope, and His name is Jesus. Don't try harder. Surrender to Him and trust Him, and He'll make you what you could never be in and of yourself. But number two, there's no hopeless situations and circumstances. Stand to your feet. Because I'm going to give this altar call in a minute, and I really don't care which one you come for. Because I'm just going to listen to the Spirit of God anyways. But there's people in here that you have been facing seemingly impossible odds. To the degree that some of you kind of have just said, well, it's over. If it was over, there was no need for the Holy Spirit to have me to minister this message today. But just like with Lazarus, he's been dead four days and now stinking. Jesus said, if you'll believe, you'll see the glory of God. So today, if that's you, whether it's you, whether it's your family, however it is, I want you to, God wants you to renew your faith in Him. To realize maybe you shouldn't have turned it loose when you did, and you're going to say, yes, God, today I don't care if it's been four days. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how bad it smells. I don't care how bad it is. It's not bigger than my God. And today, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. in this hopeless situation will be turned around. Matter of fact, I guess that'll be the title of the message today because that's what he said at the beginning, that you need to leave here with this today. God can turn it around. God can turn it around. So if you today, as a person, or with your decisions, you say, yes, that's me, I want to renew my faith, and I want you to pray with me to do so, come line up here at the altar. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't hesitate. It's more than one person. You're not hopeless, and neither is the situation. Thank you, Lord Jesus.